0: You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN
1: 1260.
0: It's 3 o'clock. This is All Sports Weekend. Alan Mitchell sitting in for Mark Mageau. Uh, This comes in from 804. Eli is good. Second-tier guy for sure, but three Super Bowl rings. No, he had two, right? Two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls for the... The the Giants and Eli got there. Ten year vet with some tricks, best QB in the NFC East. Uh, yeah, but it's still meh. It's still porridge. That entire division, um, you know, it just it's going through a lull. The the as an Eagles fan, I can tell you, since since McNabb left, it's been kind of a mixed bag, and we're hopeful this young man is going to come in and, you know, Wentz is going to play well after he recovers from his injury. But it's not, it's not, it's not a you know. The Cowboys are are every time I think they're going to just take the division and run for several years, uh, they they have a playoff game and Romo plays in it. But it, the the entire division is just not that great. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to put down the Giants and make you mad as a Giants fan. I think you'd have to agree it's a kind of an eight and eight division. It just is right now. It'll get better, I promise. Once Wentz figures it out. We are now joined by Lowell Ulrich from uh, TSN 1040 in B.C. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. Nice to talk football with you. It is indeed. Uh, you know, I'll say this. I I was so wrong about the B.C. Lions this year that I, I feel as though I should begin every interview talking about the B.C. Lions apologizing for what <laughs> I. what I. But, I, you know, Wally is, a, a you know, he really is a magician because I didn't think they had the roster for it. And they're proving everybody wrong. I don't think a lot of people felt they'd be as good as they are.
1: Well, if you have to apologize, you'd be joining a long list of people who feel exactly the same way with respect to this team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they've surprised everybody out here in, uh, in the lower mainland with the, you know, with their four and two start, uh, the sort of change in culture, which really – uh, wasn't anything of a change in culture at all because it was Wally Buono, the general manager's team before, and now it's Wally Buono, the general manager and coach. But you know, make no mistake, there was something on the line here uh, with that change in the off-season. Wally taking the job back from Jeff Tedford after he quote-unquote resigned after one year, and if he didn't get off to this start i mean there would have been enormous pressure on Wally to to step aside at the end of this year but uh, through six games uh, he's gotten people thinking uh, in in the complete uh, 180 different direction
0: what what's been the key in your opinion like what what is
1: better this year
0: than last year
1: well i think there is something to be said about the the culture that uh, that is you know it, within the dressing room i mean uh, Players know that they always knew that no matter who was the head coach of this team, there was a guy who was uh, looking over their shoulder, over that the the shoulder of that head coach, be it Mike Benavides or Tedford, and they knew that was Wally's team. And I think that that just you know permeated all the way down into the locker room, and decisions that were made were not respected. And uh, now that you know who's in charge, it's no different than when you know, John Huffnagel held both jobs in Calgary, Uh, uh, there is a certain respect factor that goes, it it doesn't work everywhere, we know that, but in Vancouver, for this long period of time, uh, this is the way it rolls, and it's been very effective. On the field, well, um, he made a a, a huge change in the offseason, as you know, with the uh punting near Andrew Harris and changing the uh tailback position to making it an import position the lions have become uh, a run friendly team to a certain extent but i guess most importantly of all is the is the slow and steady uh, development and growth of John Jennings a quarterback
0: the, the interesting thing for me about Jennings, like, you know, I watch and I go, okay, well, I'm not absolutely I, – I feel like he'll be in the Grey Cup game and winning it, and I'll say, well, maybe I'm convinced now. He, he really does look like a uh, – um, um, for me anyway, uh, he's an emerging quarterback. We just kind of got to catch up to him because he makes really good decisions. Uh, he's pretty consistent. His, his, uh, I think his TD to interception ratio is like 8 to 4 so far. seems like every game he's playing a little bit better
1: yeah I think that's fair, but I also think your other assessment is is spot on too in insofar as okay, you know who have the lions beaten here yet? Well, they beat Calgary opening day, that was nice um you know, then they' beat uh Hamilton on the road. that was interesting, but they've also got wins over Saskatchewan and Montreal, and I don't think that they're you know they're being talked in terms of being great Cup finalists just yet. so I think that you know for me. Uh, when the Lions uh, start to play teams like, and I hate to even cat, I was going to say the Eskimos, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that as a Great Cup finalist, I think that's a fair barrel. It should be a fair barrel weather, except, you know, the Eskimos aren't playing that well. No. But an Ottawa, a Toronto, the Lions have a two game road trip to Ontario at the end of the month. Um, for me, that's kind of the, you know, let's, let's see where this club is so far. John Jennings has thrown for 300 yards in three straight games. Only uh, three or four quarterbacks in Lions history have done it. Uh, kudos to him if he can keep it going. But I think it's a good measuring stick for where the team is right now.
0: Uh, Burnham, Gore, uh, Arsenal, I think they're all over 400. They seem like the, everybody's kind of getting the ball. They're getting their touches.
1: Yeah, they are. And I guess, that, uh, I guess there's a reciprocal effect when you're throwing for 300 yards for three straight games. I mean, the key for the Lions has been trying to get a second threat. I don't think that anybody's trying to compare – uh anything the Lions have to a Darius Bowman or daryl Walker in Edmonton. But I mean you need two solid threats. Arsenal has been one. Uh Burnham has is emerging into another and the the movement of Sean Gore to uh uh, to the short side wideout position for BC has proven to be beneficial as well. A lot of people keep saying, "When is Sean Gore going to emerge?" This looks like it's it. Th- this is the year so far for him. But uh, yeah, they're all at the 400 plus yards, all all pacing towards a thousand each, and uh, uh, all things, all systems look go for the time being.
0: I like the pressure they're putting on defensively. Is is that is that? Do you feel it's better defense in, ter- in terms of, of pressure and being able to uh, 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 pressure the quarterback consistently?
1: Well, it's been better, yeah. Mikael Brooks, uh, second-year BC line, used to play with the Seahawks. Uh, he's been sort of the anchor of their defensive front. He's not playing against Hamilton tonight. Um, it's been better. Uh, the lines have been maligned, uh, I think, going back all the way to the Khalif Mitchell-Eric Taylor days. For those who follow this team for a while and they're just not getting enough pass rush, but it's been, it's, it's been sustained pressure. I mean, the Lions, uh, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? You know, the Lions say don't look at the sack statistics, and <laughs> but then when they're leading the league, they point yeah. to them and say, Hey, guess what? We're, we're number one in sacks. So, uh, you know, they want their cake and eat it too. But they, I would say sustained pressure has worked. And also the fact that Mark Washington, their defensive coordinator has uh, brought pressure from different parts of the field, uh, that has been effective as well. It's really funny in Vancouver that uh, people don't talk about the Lions defense and mention the names Solomon Ellimimian yeah. and and Adam Big Hill because they have been. Uh uh not as big a factors in this team this year and I would I would suggest to you that's probably a good thing collectively
0: the the thing Bueno's lions for me were always a team that were you know you mentioned two names but they've they've always had impact players and their depth was always a concern somebody goes down and I always felt that the guy coming in wasn't quite good enough it feels to me and I, you know I'd love to hear your answer on this are they uh, do they have better depth across the roster this year
1: oh huge yeah. hugely better I mean Bryant Turner was a pickup from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, uh, He plays for Brooks tonight. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, that the Lions didn't look at in years past. Mike Edom at safety. Brandon Stewart at cornerback. I mean, these are starters for the Lions. I know that you're talking about depth. But Wally never played the free agent market, and that's a huge turnaround from from this year to last or previous years as well, is that um, he would previously take the position, oh, we'll find our own, but then he realized that, you know what, there are eight other teams, and they all sign free agents from other teams, and sometimes those work out. Uh, and it has really worked out. And that's where the depth has shown uh, and into the Lions' favor this year. It is, uh, I think your assessment is spot on there in terms of uh, where they have. And it's, and it's been needed. I mean, Nick Moore goes down uh, for the year, a guy that they signed from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming back to, from B.C., and uh, they don't seem to miss a beat.
0: The you know, I, I whenever I go to Vancouver I'm struck by the fact that there's forty million things to do on any day in Vancouver that are fun. So I'm always I'm always interested in the, the, the pull of the Lions and, and how they're doing Uh, attendance wise, because I think without, you know, overdoing this, I think they are the most challenged team in the league because, uh, the, 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 uh, that you can spend on entertainment in Vancouver can go any of several hundred ways. How are they doing? Are people responding to this new, uh, Buono again,
1: Lions team? Well, that kind of comment will probably get you a job in the front office of the BC <laughs> Alliance because they feel exactly the same way when it comes to trying and marketing this team. And uh, you're absolutely right. It is a struggle. I mean, I think we need to quantify exactly how much of a struggle it is. The Lions went down 60,000 in attendance from 2014 to 2015. That's a huge drop. Yes. The last home game they had was the lowest attended game of the Wally Bono area of 14 years. So... They are. They have a long road back. Uh, there's some buzz for this team right now, but I don't know that you're, it's going to, uh, you know, manif- manifest itself at the box office just yet. I think it's going to be slow and steady growth. I wrote a piece for TSN.ca this morning and saying that uh, this was the biggest game for the Lions, the biggest home game for the Lions since 2011 in the Grey Cup, and the reason I say that is that they have an opportunity to, to to take a hold of the marketplace. Everybody knows the Vancouver Canucks are in a rebuild and really don't generate too much excitement here. The Whitecaps, the MLS team, is, is in the ditch right now. Um, yes, there are 40 million opportunities to do things in the lower mainland, but the Lions right now with Jennings as a sort of a centerpiece if he continues to merge in a manner reminiscent of a Casey Printers, they have an opportunity yeah. to do something. and they. But that said, though, they've got to win at home. And they've been terrible at home since 2014. This team has got to play well and, they excite, and they excite people. Uh, they play Calgary next Friday. If they can, uh, if they can win tonight, uh, they set up a possible first-place battle. And then I think you have the opportunity to start to build something.
0: Lowell, enjoy this. Thanks so much. We'll be tuning in tonight. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Lowell Ulrich tsn 1040 vancouver can i tell you really quickly hernan my my story about how spoiled vancouver fans are go ahead okay this is uh 80s and my wife and i are we live in uh, edmonton and we are on holidays in vancouver and luck of the draw we we didn't check on it foolish us there's a lions game at bc play stadium that night and we're like oh my god we had not seen bc play stadium yet we were thrilled to go. Roy DeWalt uh, 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 throwing to Swervin Mervyn Fernandez. That was the the key offensive battery back then for the Lions, and we go to the game, and it's pretty full, because they're a really explosive team, and the guys behind us are bitching and moaning, they're up like 14-7, but they're unhappy, and the guy comes on the loudspeaker, the, the PA guy, and he says, and don't forget at halftime, it's the Nylons, who so you may not know, but they were a big uh, uh, acapella group in the 80s, and my wife and I, were thrilled, we're like, oh my god, we get to watch the Nylons sing four or five songs for free. The guy behind me who has been bitching and moaning about the football game and Roy DeWalt and Mervyn Fernandez for the last hour goes oh no not them again I saw them two weeks ago at Stanley Park and I'm like what is wrong with you so I turned around and and verbally abused the guy for a while but that's sort of Vancouver where there's so much going on that people take it for granted right you know and so this BC Lions team if uh if you're listening in from Vancouver they're worth, worth watching and I didn't get to Hamilton, but Hamilton has—they got their quarterback back tonight. This should be a very interesting matchup. I'm—I'm I'm interested in seeing the late game between the two—the two cats. Who die. I'm not as interested in the early game. I will watch that because the, the, I have a person in my home who's very interested in that game. <laughs> but I feel as though I'll be—we'll be watching, you know, CNN by about halftime.
2: I just want to be watching that game to see if I can get a glimpse of uh of the boys down there. So. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, do they know what section they're in, or are they just going to go in the paddy wagon right off?
2: Yeah, I have no idea. They're yeah. just winging it.
0: Well, I know that Awanic will be there, you know, <laughs> making sure that everybody sits on the right, you know, yeah.
2: seat and don't cheer too loud. Oh I think God. you've had one too many beverages. See,
0: Awanic <laughs> is the guy that, like, I don't know how he makes it through a road trip with Awanic. I don't know how he'd make it back. You know, we agreed that we we're going to stop every four hours. You know. Because yeah. like, he's he's very mapped out, right?
2: He's got a nice itinerary for the boys. Yeah, then. I'm sure
0: it's laminated, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll take a break. It's All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260.
1: You're listening to All
0: Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader TSN 1260. 319. Loving the blues you're playing today. Very nice. I feel as though we are interrupting (laughs) with our talk. By the way, we were just talking uh, to Lowell Ulrich from TSN 1040 in Vancouver about attendance for the Lions. You got a tough sell out there. Every day's gorgeous and there's lots to do. Rob Vanstone tweeted out seconds after that interview ended. Actually, it was in the middle of it, but I didn't see it. Today's Rough Rider-Stampeder game sold out. Chris Jones. You know, I'm not going to go too far on that. I might on Monday. But, you know, he sort of threw uh, some (laughs) CFL teams under the bus. He, He basically said, well, this is how we did it at the themes that I... Played with in the past. This is in regard to their um, being fined a major amount for how they're handling their roster. And he says the hope he hopes the situation results in all nine teams being held to the same standard. This is for the roster violations. Sixty grand they were fined, and then twenty six thousand plus from their salary cap.
2: Do you feel it was enough because've I've kind of seen mixed reactions some some media are saying, uh, it was garbage what they got, and others are happy with what they got for their fines. Uh, where do you stand on the sixty grand?
0: I would say I don't know, but I'll qualify it and and I think it was not enough if they were the only team that was doing it. Yeah, and if they're not the only team that's doing it, then I, once again, it's another example of the CFL having you know the the, the, the their their stuff about the CFL. That boggles the mind. Uh make all the salaries public. Uh make all the roster requirements public. Make the you know, they've got these neg lists. Nobody knows who's on it. The CFL is the is the is the weirdest league that way. And I love the CFL. Look, I'm not I'm I'm all in. I, I love that league and I and I I look, I'm gonna watch it tonight. I'm gonna watch both games tonight. I'm all in. But I I think they the the league often does things like this. And because we don't know everything about it, we we can't really come to a conclusion that's rational. Look, they broke the rules. I get that they should be fine. And maybe it should be more. And the riders probably are a team that could afford more. Maybe it doesn't hurt enough. That said, I'm, you know, I'm almost tempted to say that I bet you, you know, Hernan's lunch money that, Another team's doing it. Just saying. By the way, we we've got a an open segment here, so we're going to read some of your text, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh some hockey stuff that's happening. Antoine Vermette has received five offers; he will choose by Monday. That's according to agent Alan Walsh. You were mentioning earlier you wondered if maybe the others were interested. My suspicion is my spider senses tell me that if the Oilers do make a move before training camp, it'll be a defenseman. And I I wrote about this at Oilers Nation on the weekend, during the week, whenever I did it. It was sometime. About the Anaheim Ducks. And here's the thing about the Ducks. I'm going to do a little math here. Hernan, if I nod off or fall over, you just play a song. Okay? Uh, Here it goes. The Anaheim Ducks traditionally do not spend to the cap, okay? They, they are not a cap team. They ended up last year, at the end of last year, almost $7 million under the cap, okay? Right now, they're $9 million under the cap. They have two RFAs to sign, and they are substantial. Ricard Raquel, Hampus Lindholm. These are really good players, the 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 ducks are in a bit of a a unique spot in that unlike almost every other team in the National Hockey League, they they have more than seven really good defensemen. You got a kid named Brandon Montour in the minor leagues. They have Vatn and Fowler, Biakse, Dupree, uh, Stoner, Lindholm, who's the RFA, Josh Manson. You got lots of good players. Their seventh guy will be Holzer. So they're 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 locked and loaded, even if like Lindholm decided to take a year off. Now he won't, and they want him back. And I suspect they will sign him, and I bet it's for a significant amount of money, as it will be the case with Raquel. So the the rumors are the, the 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 talk is that Cam Fowler would be a guy who'd be traded. Now Fowler doesn't really fit The Oilers, because he's left-handed, and even though he does help on the power play, the Oilers have more lefties than than Carter has liver pills. So that's unlikely to be the ideal solution. Maybe it's a a back solution for the Oilers. Some other team would be interested in Cam Fowler, pretty sure. He's at $4 million for the next two years before he goes UFA. That situation has to reach its fruition with the Ducks, and it's late. You know, we're we're mid-August now, and the Ducks still have two RFAs to sign. And with their $9 million, let's say they sign one to four and one to three, or two and a half, and they end up with six and a half or $7 million out of that, they're going to be a little bit over. How do you solve that? Well, Cam Fowler would be the obvious one. When does that happen? Not sure. We know that... On Monday, Vermette apparently is going to make his decision. We also know that Jimmy Vc, who we haven't talked about on this show, but previously on Saturday Sports Extra, we ran an interview with Kirk Ludeke from Redline Report about Vc and about him possibly ending up uh, signing with the teams that are rumored are Boston, Chicago, Buffalo, Toronto, Rangers, Islanders. I think that's all of them, five or six. And that could happen fairly quickly. So, it's been kind of a dry time for NHL fans in the last week or two. Suspect that may change here in the next few days, and and I do think that if the Oilers are going to make a move, it'll be on the defensive side. That's just me thinking out loud. Would Vermette be a guy that you look at possibly coming in and helping? I'm I, I think he is. Right now, the Oilers at center have Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Leon Drysidle, Mark Letestu, Anton Lander. They used Matt Hendricks a lot at center a year ago. They may or may not want to do that again. I think Lander is in tough for a roster spot. I'll be honest. I, I believe that Leon Dreisidel may end up playing at right wing. The the order depth chart at right wing is a little vague after Jordan Eberle, Zach Cassian is there. You know, Yakupov is there. Uh, Jesse Poliarvi will no doubt be the second-line right-winger. The The question is when? Opening night? Maybe not. Your Pakarenan is also in there somewhere. So, do you, if if Vermette's available for 1.5 times 1, and you're the Oilers and you really feel like Leon might be your second-line right-winger, that may be the way you want to go. I could see them doing it. I don't think that it's the priority. I think it's still defense. I don't think there's a... Fr- now that Wisniewski has been invited to Tampa Bay's camp, I don't think Chris Russell really moves the needle for the Oilers. You know, the 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 kid Runblad David Runblatt, is a right-handed defenseman who can do some things offensively. He might be of interest to them, maybe on a, like a PTO. I think Brandon Peary is a guy they might be interested in as a as a winger. But I I really go back to the Anaheim situation, Winnipeg a little bit. But I I think as as Drew Mendel told us last hour, I think the likelihood there is they sign him and maybe they make a move during the year. And increasingly, I think that's what might happen with the Orders. You know, the Orders have. A lot of defensemen, left-handed defensemen, but they also have a lot of questions. You know, Brandon Davidson did an interview with the Tabor Times and also, I think, with the um, NHL.com in the last week or so, talking about his health, and he's 100%. Uh, Oscar Kleffbaum says he's 100% ready to come back. Sometimes that, you know, you come back and it's not, you know, you think it's 100% and it isn't. So the Oilers have some questions, too. On defense. I will tell you that if, if for the first time in a long time, if the Oilers don't do anything on defense, for me at five by five and on the penalty kill, I'm I'm okay with the Oilers' defense as it is now. If you have Clefbaum Larson, if you have Sekera with Davidson on the second pairing, and then say Nurse and Fane or Reinhardt and Fane, I'm okay with that. Do you don't have a power play shot from the point? Who's right-handed? You might have to move Everly back there, or um, maybe pull Yarvi, who's a rookie, who you wouldn't do that with.
2: You really see in the top six. Well, I just think like when you when you mentioned Reinhardt there, maybe with Fain, it, wouldn't you put Osterley ahead of Reinhardt right now?
0: Well, I would. I I maybe would because Osterley's more of a puck mover. Yeah. Uh, But I think the orders really like Reinhardt. I think the orders like Reinhardt a lot.
2: But I think you know Reinhardt still has a lot, a long ways to go. I don't think you just put him in the lineup because you like him. I think he's got to, you know, obviously earn it and play better than he did last year. Because last year he struggled quite a bit. He played better at the end of the year, towards the end. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think they like. I think their order would be Nurse reinhardt osterley whether that's at the beginning of the year. I think Nurse makes the team. I honestly yeah, do. I don't I, necessarily think that's the right thing to do, but I think he makes the
2: team. And where do you stand on... It, it's, it's being talked about a lot here on this station. Griba. Why hasn't he been signed yet? And not just by the Oilers, by any team. Do you, there's no rush, really? Like, I liked Gryba.
0: I Okay, I'll give you my GRIBA. <laughs> I'll give you my take on Griba. Uh, I'm a fan of the Boston Bruins. Okay. okay I, I'm a Bruins fan, have been forever. The Bruins... I want to find it here because I want to make sure I'm not lying to you. Hernan, I would never lie to you. You know that. I always want to tell you the truth. The Bruins signed uh, Adam McQuaid for 2.75 times 3. And they also have Kevin Miller signed to 4 times 2.5. So that's how not to do it. The Oilers have Mark Fain signed for, I think, 3.25. And I think he's a shutdown defensive defenseman. Uh, and I don't think they would have Fane and Griba on the roster. I think if they traded Mark Fane, the orders would sign Griba the next day. and and I'm sure they'd get a better deal than the the Bruins did from equate or for for Miller. The problem that the orders have is their seventh defenseman right now is probably either Osterly or Musel. If they signed Griba, he'd be the seventh of six seven guy. And I think they feel like they with Adam Larson is a shutdown defenseman. Mark Fain is a shutdown defenseman. So their only right handed defensemen are duplicate yeah. players to Griba. Mm-hmm. They're better than he is, but he's they're duplicate type players. So I think that's the reason why. Um But I like Eric Griba as a defender. I know a lot of people don't like defensive defensemen. I'm finding out increasingly whenever I write on my blog about defensive defenseman, I get hammered by people. They just they're don't just not like sexy, them. right? Well, they don't like them. They they feel like they're they're useless. I don't. I I, I think Mark Fain is a good player. Uh, and and but increasingly I find that people uh, who observe the game of hockey don't have time for that. No. And I get it. I understand you want a guy who's mobile and can pass the puck, but I still think there's a place in the game and clearly the Oilers do too, since they traded for Adam Larson who has that style. Uh, that you that you can make a difference without the puck in the defensive zone.
2: Yeah, I mean, like Larson's not coming over here like an offensive dynamo. He moves the puck well. He's good in his own end. So if people are expecting this guy to run the power play, for me, I still see Klefbom on the first unit and Sekera on the second, unless they find someone else from here till the start of the season. Right? Is but, that how well you would have it?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have Sekera ahead of Klefbom just because uh, Sekera has more experience at it. But I get your point. The the, the you know, Kleppbaum, two years ago, he had a pretty good numbers yeah. on the power play. Mm-hmm. Last year, not so much. So I guess it would be whoever was playing better. And it might well be. Klepom's got a good shot.
2: Yeah, and the issue with Sakara; he can't get the puck on net. He can't get it through the, well, the penalty he, killers.
0: He had more shots than any other defenseman on the Oilers in the power play, so he he can, but he does it does get blocked a lot. Yeah, uh, Klepom has a Brandon Davidson has a really good shot too.
2: Yes, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, you can fill in as well.
0: Uh, I I looked at Davidson. We got an article coming up on him next weekend. He he actually in junior hockey had you know he was a more productive offensive player. There may be some offense there from Davidson, but. That's my answer on Griba. I think they would sign him. They already have Fane and now Larson. So that spot is pretty much filled. Uh this came out of absolutely nowhere. Honestly. Hey, no. <laughs> honestly.
2: You can tell you can tell we're missing hockey when we're getting Texas like <laughs>
0: And I look, I love hockey, so I'm not gonna put two, four, six down. I understand it completely. But I tell you what, this is this is from the moon. Yes, this is a this is from Laredo. Uh, this comes in from two four six. Hey, just a side note. I want Kovalchuk back. Love his play. I think he really needs to come back to the NHL. Come back to the Devils with Hall. Oh, uh, why do you have to bring that up? Ah, that's okay. I mean, I wish <laughs> Taylor Hall. I wish him all the best. The, yes, luck, me but, too. But we are fixated on the Oilers, so we move <laughs> on. And look, they traded Gretzky. I, I I remember when the, the day they traded Mark Messier, when I found out I punched a hole in the wall of my house. <laughs> and then uh, that day I learned you get, you have, you know, and my dad taught me this, you know, you can be upset. Don't punch a hole in the wall, be upset. But then like, you have to let it go. You It's almost like you're, you're holding onto a rope and you have to let it go. The anger has to go because otherwise it, you, you, you don't get over. It. It's like forgiving people. Have you ever had to forgive somebody? Oh Yeah. If you don't forgive them, the weight you carry is your weight. It's the you're carrying this rock of anger around, and the only way you can let it go is to forgive people.
2: It, it must have been tough for you because you know I was in my early, uh, well, I was probably eleven, twelve, when all the uh, Oilers' great team was getting all split up. How hard was it for you seeing, well, not just Gretzky, but then Messier, Teakin, and Glenn you know, Anderson?
0: It started with with Paul Coffey. He was traded yeah. in November of eighty seven and then in March Moog had missed the whole year and he got traded. And they both got substantial return. They were both big trades that they got a lot back for.
2: Was sorry, was Simpson part of the coffee trade? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. And they got Ranford and the good Courtney for Moog. I was talking about this on uh, with uh, on on uh who did I talk to about this? Millard. I talked to Millard about this uh on the anniversary of the Gretzky trade. I know I often ask questions that people don't, can't answer. Don't worry, Hernan. It drives everybody crazy, but I do it anyway. But the Gretzky trade was a sale because it wasn't there wasn't Jimmy Carson not to put Jimmy Carson down, but a, Jimmy Carson and a bunch of picks. Uh, so yeah, that was bad, but the you know, even when they traded Gretzky, I still think they thought they could win, but and I'm not giving myself any extra credit here. This did not take a rocket surgeon to figure this out. I was mad when they traded Messier because that you you now you've snapped the rope. Remember the rope yeah. I talked about mm-hmm. you've just you've snapped it you you are now you cannot get back there. You can't get back to first place. you can't beat the north stars you you when you trade messier you you are you've said goodbye to hope yeah. And that's why I put a hole in the wall.
2: And then and then uh was Tekenen and all of them months after or Yeah, the season well they after? were
0: they were ninety that was ninety one with Messier and by ninety three, I think, Teken and McTavish and all the rest of them. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Well Anderson was oh my God. <laughs> that was another day because it wasn't just Anderson. Look look up on hockey D V who got traded the day Anderson got traded in the same trade. That was a Damn black day. Holy man! Thanks a lot, (laughs) Hernan. I was having a reasonably good time. (laughs) Wasn't getting upset.
2: I'm just ruining your Saturday. Son of a. Unbelievable.
0: I think Gregor was saying Clefbaum had 33 points in his last 60 games. I like his chances as a power play guy. Boy, if he could do that too. Clefbaum is close to a complete player. If he could do that too, it's game over, man. Game over. I just They've remember. He's a complete defenseman.
2: I remember seeing him play on the power play last year before he got hurt, and he was doing a hell of a job. Oh, a he can player. hold that line. He can make a good pass. You he had what? a good shot.
0: You know what he is? You know what he is? I'm going to say it again. You know what he is? He's a complete player. He just has to do it and be healthy. But he can skate. Oh my God, can that guy skate? And he's he's not he's not a wallflower. He will be physical. He'll punish you. He won't back down. And and uh, um. At least in my house, he's very popular with the ladies.
2: <laughs> yes. Apparently, he
0: is not a gargoyle. That's no. what I've been told. So um, he's going to have a pretty good time here in Edmonton, I suspect, if he can stay healthy. That snake bit, snake bite, skate bite thing was not good.
2: No, that, but uh, that's, that's just a freak, uh, you know, those things that just happen, right? Like, it was, it's such bad luck.
0: It's awful. It was, it was a, that was a tough year last year for fans. Because I think there was real hope when McDavid arrived, and then there's that you know, you know what I want to avoid. And I'll just and then I'll take a break. I promise, Hernan, because you know, you're probably going take a break, old man. But what I hope for the city of Edmonton, because I sit here and I listen to it every day, and people post on my blog every day, and and there's the sense of of you know every year starts with hope, and then by Halloween night, you're 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 just staring at the abyss. You're like. My God, it's not Christmas. This is, it's over. You're never getting back. You're not going to get back in the playoffs. Remember when Leon Dreisaddle came up on the 29th, I think, of October, and he scored two goals. He got off the plane. Uh, Carey Price was shutting out the, the the Oilers, 3-0 for the Habs. They were, they were locked and loaded. They were going to win. Leon scores late on a weird goal that he tipped in, and then he scored the winning goal. Nugent Hopkins around the net, bingo, bango in the net. That's what I hope for Oiler fans. I hope for lots of those games, but right at the beginning of October, not an 0-4 start, but a 4-0 start. That's what I want. That's what they need. That's what this town has earned over the last decade. We'll take a break. It's Saturday. it's no it's not. It's All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260.